This is If I Go Missing, a podcast where we tell the stories of those who have gone missing so that they aren't forgotten. And maybe, just maybe, we can help bring them the justice they deserve. I am your host, Megan. And I'm your co-host, Lynn. Are you ready to dive into another story? Always. Let's do it. Let's go. This is the case of Emma Filipov. This is one of those cases that just grab the attention of all who hear about it. Her disappearance has been the topic of discussion on many TV shows and podcasts. Emma Filipov was born January 6, 1986, and is Canadian in nationality. She grew up in Perth and was one of four children. She was said to be kind and loving. Prior to Emma's move to Victoria from her home in Perth, her parents went through a rough separation. Those who knew Emma believe this had a significant impact on her. Emma has been missing since November 28, 2012, where she vanished from in front of the Empress Hotel in Victoria, British Columbia at the age of 26. Emma Filipoff arrived in Victoria in the fall of 2011 from Perth, Ontario. She had a brief employment at the Breadfish Bluefish Seafood Restaurant in Victoria's Inner Harbor, Since the work was seasonal, Emma left the job on October 31st, 2012. However, she did reassure her co-workers that she would be back in the spring. And what police believe was a preparation to move back to Ontario, on November 21st, Emma hired a tow truck to move her Mazda from Souk to Chateau Victoria parking garage. Emma's time in Victoria is curious, really. She lived a very nomadic lifestyle. Emma sometimes would stay in a hotel room in exchange for housekeeping, crash at a friend's place, sometimes even staying on friend's boat. And it's believed that at one point in time, she may have even slept in the woods some while staying on and off at a woman's shelter. Unbeknownst to her family, she had stayed at Sandy Merriman House Women's Shelter on and off since February. I've listened to podcasts and true crime shows trying to find a way to understand as much of this case as possible. One podcast I listened to actually did an interview with Emma's mother, Shelly. And Shelly actually described Emma as being very, very private. She said Emma was so private she didn't even believe in cell phones, making their main form of communication email. And her mother noted that the emails were always light and happy. She did mention that her emails were often poetically written, but never gave any information about herself, like where she worked, who she lived with, or where she was even staying. Shelley goes on to say that they knew not to push Emma for more information either, no matter how much they wanted it because of Emma's extremely private nature. She says if they started digging into her life, there was a chance it would upset her and that in turn, she may not talk to them for a while. Although she was against cell phones, her mother said that sometimes she would call, but it would be by using a friend's phone or by using a phone booth. In this day and time, if someone does not have a phone, we think something's wrong. And in fact, she even said that growing up, when all of Emma's friends got cell phones, Emma stated that she never wanted one. That's definitely weird. I mean, not that she's weird. It's just a strange thing that he... Mm -hmm. um, It's refreshing in a way, but mm -hmm. in this case, it's become worrisome because now we can't get a hold of her. Yeah, and you know, the more of this that you do, the more of this you study, you realize, okay, you're private. You don't like cell phones. You don't, 
have have one with the minutes on it. Have one and turn on just when you need it. Mm-hmm. Or it's, have one. Yeah. <laughs> have one. It, they can trace it through the towers. You can see who the last person you contacted was. Mm-hmm. It, it, there's so many things. Stay private. Keep to yourself. And for God's sake, stay out of the drama. You don't have to be on Facebook. You don't have to be mm-hmm. on all these other things. But there are a few things that are just safety features that society has given us now. Yeah. and I Take mean, advantage of it. We all think nothing bad is ever going to happen to us. So yeah. why do we need a phone? Why do we need to mm-hmm. make sure, you know, we have the safety net with us? Things right. like that. So I can see why it would kind of be brushed off. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't like them. I don't want them. I'm not going to have one. Yeah. Well, but, and, and like, like I said, her nomadic life. It's hard to have one. Yeah. Which nowadays you don't have bills. You have it's all done online. Mm-hmm. But um, in her case, she could have just had the one that she buys a little card to, and boom, you know. Yeah. Or you know, however it works now, um, where she just pays the minutes up front. But um, there were so many things in that first statement. As a mother, it's like, oh, I, oh, she what? She lived where? Oh my God, where she lived? Yeah. It's so alarming as a mother because you think, mm-hmm. oh, sweetheart, sweetheart. <laughs> but yeah, because even me, my child's two. Yeah. And I'm th- sitting here thinking to myself, no, I want to know where you live, who you live with. I want to know how long you filmed them. Yes. I want you know, yeah. to know how you get to and from home to work every day yeah. or school or wherever you may be coming yeah. from. I don't care if you're 40. You better call me every day. You better tell me where you're living. You, you better, better tell have me what you're doing. find my iPhone turned on so I can track <laughs> your butt through find my friends. Like... Yeah, we're an extremely overly protective family, so this just kind of makes me cringe. Just like, oh, God bless her mother. I know. Um, I, there's a part of me that like just commends how strong her mother must have been. For, to give her that, that, that personal freedom yes, she needed. to be able to give her that space to respect her will that much. Wow, yeah. Like, God, what a strong woman. Yeah, because I'd stink at it. Oh, You do stink at it. <laughs> yeah, no, But it's I'm, okay. It's probably kept me alive most of the time. Yep. On November 23rd, Emma was captured on security footage at the Victoria YMCA, entering, then leaving, then entering multiple times as if possibly avoiding someone on the outside. Starting in the days preceding her disappearance, Emma had phoned her mother in Ontario, asking if she could come home. You know, of course, yes, if you need to come home, by all means, come home. You know, you know, that's how we are in this family. Yeah. She even offered to book her daughter an e-ticket and have her receive it tomorrow morning. And she said, you'll be home in 12 hours. Shelly said Emma cried on this call and then said she couldn't do it on her own. She had too much stuff to move. Then she asked her mother if she could come and get her. Shelly, of course, told Emma, yes, I'm going to come get you. And she told her daughter that she would book a ticket and be there on Saturday as the conversation between the two was taking place on Friday. After this, she says they talked a little bit more, but Emma seemed very incoherent. Saturday morning came and Emma called her mother. And this time she just said, hey, I'm having a bad time. I'd like to figure things out for myself. Please don't come. Shelly respected her daughter's wishes and canceled her ticket, thinking Emma may, in fact, could have just been having a bad day and expressed herself differently than she normally would have. On Sunday, she placed another call to her mother, saying she changed her mind and can she come home and would you please come get me? Her mother said, give me 12 hours, I'm there. Shelly books her tickets, but then realizes that she and Emma have never once discussed an address. 
she decided that it's probably a safe bet to call Emma back on the phone number she had been reaching her at. Shelly places a call to the number that her daughter had been using and the name that came up when she called the phone was Sandy Merriman. Her mother just assumed that this must be the name of Emma's roommate and the phone must be in her name and when they answered the phone, they then said Sandy Merriman's woman's shelter. This phone call was how Shelly became aware that Emma had been staying at Sandy Merriman's house. Up until this point, she just assumed her daughter lived at an apartment. Shelly goes on to say that she and Emma exchanged a few calls after this, and even though Emma had asked her not to come, then would change her mind again and ask her mom to come, she said this happened a few more times. But then finally, her mother decides on the Tuesday before Emma would go missing that she would make plans to fly out there, and she was going to come because she could not stand this back and forth and not knowing what was going on with her daughter. Amen. So, regardless of Emma saying, come, don't come, whatever, mm-hmm. Shelly just decides to take the plunge and go. I totally agree with Shelly. I do, this too. This is too much back and forth. Is something going on with my daughter? Mm-hmm. Is somebody making her say, no, mom, don't come. Everything's fine. And then when she can get to a point where she can be honest, she's like, mom, please come get me. And just Yeah, a lot of have to go through a mother's mind mm-hmm. of, okay, I, I just got to go see my child, put my eyes on her, and then I can leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally, I totally feel for the mom. The last phone call Emma would place to her mother was the morning of the day she went missing, Wednesday, November 28th. She said this call came about 4 a.m. British Columbia time. And on the call, Emma says, don't come, not today, mom. And then Emma hung up. Even though Emma asked her mother not to come, as we've talked about, Shelly just had to come. She booked that ticket, made the trip to Victoria anyway. Shelly then landed in Victoria at 9 p.m. that night. Emma's mother arrived at Sandy Merriman's house by about 11 p.m. after landing around 9 because, you know, she had to yeah, get definitely. her bags and her stuff from her luggage and yeah. get off the plane all of that good stuff. She finally gets her feet on the ground in front of Sandy Merriman's house at 11 p.m. When she gets to Sandy Merriman's, they let her in and she goes on to tell them who she is and they proceed to tell her, oh, well, Emma's not here. Shelly says she thinks, hmm, okay, maybe Emma's with a friend now. And at this point, she's nervous, but trying not to think the worst, so she doesn't let this worry her too much. She tries to kind of keep herself calm. Good mother, because I'd be freaking out. She would. What she didn't know was that she had actually arrived there just three hours after Emma had last been seen by police at the Empress Hotel. Emma's mom stayed at the home waiting for her until around midnight that night. Well after Emma was last seen, the supervisor of the Women's Center felt that Emma should be considered a missing person. What is weird, though, is that Emma had not always made the 11 p.m. cutoff time to claim the bed she was entitled to at the shelter. We know some nights she stayed in other places. With her mom's presence there, on this night, they decided that she should be declared as missing and called the authorities. That's that's a little interesting. Was it the pressure of her mom being there? Did they know something? Is there a possibility they knew something? Did they know that they had seen her with XYZ person and... Even if they knew something, though, women's shelters are so, like, 
having to keep quiet about things that they know because oftentimes they deal with abused and battered women mm -hmm. and you can't just be giving out their information to anybody. You know, if you don't know them, it could be somebody trying to rope them back into that life. Amen. That's true. So they have to be very careful what information they give out and to who. So they may have known something and that's why they went ahead and called when her mom showed up. Or maybe it was just simply because her mom was there and, you know, they're a whole new mm -hmm. level to the field. Definitely. I wonder if Emma's mom had to some sort of, I mean, I guess she'd have her driver's license or something, but prove who she is kind of thing. Probably. I and then so. that was why they were so, okay, something's not right. Why would her mom be here? She's never been here before. Yeah. And that's why they just said, we need to get a reporter. While researching the case, I decided to see if I could reconstruct Emma's movements the day she went missing. So I started early on the day of November 28th. Emma had placed that first call to her mother around 4 a.m. her time. So this is the first known point of contact that we have for her of that day, to my knowledge. So the day she goes missing, starting at 4 a.m., we know she places the phone call home. Our next known movement from Emma was captured on 7-Eleven's store video on Government Street purchasing a prepaid cell phone. Mm -hmm. mm. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Strike you as odd? Little bit. Little bit. The video showed her hesitating in the department store, seemingly checking the street outside. I don't even know Emma, but this seems like a red flag to me based off of everything her mother said about her private nature. Her buying that phone, it just seems very off. Yeah, I mean, just like out of the blue, she decided she needed a cell phone. Yeah. Yeah. It's like something scared her, something spooked her, something made her feel she needed that security. Mm-hmm. Emma then returned to the 7-Eleven to buy a prepaid credit card for $200. Reportedly, she then left the Sandy Merriman house at 6 p.m. that day, only five hours before her mother would show up there looking for her. She missed her by five hours. Oh, my Lord. Soon after, she hailed a taxi and asked to be taken to Victoria International Airport. However, she soon exited the taxi for lack of adequate fare, even though she had a $200 prepaid card. Minutes later, Emma was seen walking barefoot in front of the Empress Hotel. An acquaintance of hers named Dennis Quay called 911 to say a woman was in severe distress outside the hotel. Victoria police arrived. They took Philippoff's name and spent about 45 minutes speaking with her. Deciding that she was not a threat to herself or anyone else, they released her. Until a report surfaced in June of 2018, no one reported seeing Emma since 8 p.m. that night. Then, later that evening, police met Philippoff's mother at the Sandy Merriman's house, and by midnight, Emma was officially declared a missing person. What time did her friend see her to call the police? He saw her outside the hotel. Right. So this was like the last time she was seen, was with police. Interesting. Or at least it was until we got more information down the road. Definitely, okay. Initially, the police stated that Emma had last been seen, quote, with friends several blocks away on Burdett Avenue between Blanchard and Quadra Streets. Investigators explored more than 200 leads, turning up minimal information. Most of the evidence indicates that she was planning to return home, but there was no proof that she ever left Victoria. The cell phone she bought had never been activated either. During her time in Victoria, Emma is said to have written copious amounts of poetry. Upon reading of her writings, though, some of it indicated depression, though nothing pointed at her being stalked or that she had any suicidal-type thoughts. Nothing hinted at anything sinister, just that maybe she was a little down in the dumps. Yeah, because that would be your first thing, was would be the um, 
maybe a stalking or a, mm -hmm. um, I don't know, some sort of threat thing to her. I mean, that's what it sounds like mm -hmm. with her behavior. Yeah, it does. While searching for Emma, they did find her van. One of the detectives that originally searched the van found Emma's Canon 40D semi-professional DSLR that was a gift from her mother. On the camera car were several self-portraits, the last ones taken in the spring of 2012. And those are the ones that are often used for social media releases and newscasts as they are the most recent photos yeah, that we have of her. makes sense. Eventually, after detectives looked it over, I'm sure, or at least I hope, Shelly was given Emma's van and ended up selling it to a salvage yard to make the trip west to retrieve a few of Emma's belongings after they were in storage for a couple of years. After this, the case pretty much stalled out until 2018 when a breath of fresh air breathed new life into the case. A witness from the night in question had come forward. The witness, known only as William, reached out to Shelly, Emma's mother, via email to tell her that he had given Emma a ride early the following morning. William said that Emma was headed in the direction of Colwood, still shoeless, at 5.15 a.m. on November 29, 2012. But he didn't have time to take her as far as she wanted to go, so he dropped her off at 5.15 a.m. near the Petro-Canada gas station at the corner of Admirals and Craig Flower Roads in Victoria. A search team checked into that hopeful lead, which was backed by a crowdfunding initiative and fundraising efforts that were greatly appreciated by Shelley. The team was then led by a cadaver dog handler, Kim Cooper, along with Kimberly Bordage of Dartmouth, who is a researcher, videographer, editor, and Shelley's right-hand person on Emma's disappearance. No new leads surfaced in Victoria during that search on December 1st to the 3rd of 2018. It was with mixed emotions that Shelley then spoke with the Perth Courier about this most recent tip she received. She was quoted as saying that she had mixed feelings as she hoped for the best yet still prepared for the worst. Shelley also went on to say that she spoke with William in the summer after he'd emailed her a bit back and forth. And according to investigators, upon hearing this tip, they immediately felt it to be viable. One of the investigators on the case even said that this new tip corresponded with a tip received years before when they were originally out there searching for Emma. In the last year, new efforts have been made to track down new information, including a cadaver dog search of the Greater Victoria area in 2018, which did not result in any new finds, and in 2020, a new independently produced feature-length documentary on Emma's disappearance is set to be released. The tip has also sparked new hope into Shelley as well as she reached out to the famous dog handler Kim Cooper, who then was featured in CBC's Someone Knows Something podcast and National Geographic's Finding Dial, Cooper agreed to volunteer her time for the search. Shelly says she's both excited and nervous, but this is what she's wanted, more information. She says she's always been prepared to face the inevitable, and she does think it may be inevitable that Emma's no longer alive after so long, but she still has hope. Shelly has started a GoFundMe page to help raise funds for Cooper to fly over and stay in Victoria for three days as they conduct a wide search. Tentatively, Philipoff, Cooper, and a large volunteer team are hoping to search the Craigflower Bridge, Gorge Waterway, and railroad tracks from Vic West to Colwood, the Galloping Goose Trail, Portage Park, and Inlet, Goose Stream Park, and Thetis Lake from December 1st to the 3rd. So far, over 1700 has been raised for the calls with a total goal of $6,425.
The Vic PD major crimes detectives are still looking for information on Emma's disappearance. Anyone who has seen Emma Filipoff or has any information about where she may be can contact the Vic PD non-emergency line at 250-995-7654 or your local police department. Information can also be anonymously provided through Crime Stoppers at 1-800-222-8477. Thank you for listening to another episode of If I Go Missing. I'm your host, Megan, and I put a lot of thought and hard work into these episodes. I write, edit, and produce them all myself, and it means a lot to me that you guys take the time to listen. If you would like to follow us on social media, our Instagram is at if I go missing podcast. Then we also have our Twitter, and that one is at Megan Noel Pod. If you want to reach out and suggest a case, you can do that on Instagram or Twitter by sending us a DM. We also have a Facebook page called Megan Noel Podcast, and we also have discussion groups for the podcast. And the name of the discussion group is If I Go Missing, a podcast.